open your Bibles with me now, if you would. The book of 1 John. And as you're doing that, children, you are dismissed and you can go to your classes. So your teachers are making their way back. While they're going, I want you all to be praying for those kids, praying for the teachers. Pray for the teachers. (laughs) The book of 1 John is where we've been making our study lately. We'll be in chapter number 2. Now, I remember when I was a young man growing up in church, uh, and I would attend church business meetings, and uh, uh, believe it or not, in a church business meeting, sometimes you have dissenting points of view. I, I mean, I know that that sounds ludicrous. I know that, it, you know, church business meeting, no, there would never be arguments and disagreements in a church business meeting. Never, never, right? Um it would, uh, it would generally be something that really did not need to be said. Um, at, sometimes it was, uh, instead of responding to a foolish question, and, you know, in a, it, it, we, we would hear people responding to one another, and it would be a back and forth, and this would go on for about an hour, sometimes two hours, three hours, just depending on what was going on in the life of the church. And, uh, you know, so I grew up uh, seeing these things as a kid, and you would see anger, you'd see bitterness, you'd see this dread uh, come over the whole idea of another business meeting. So anytime you heard the term business meeting or, uh, or membership meeting or something like that, I hated it. I hated going to church business meetings. I hated it. And as a kid, I would see these things and I would, invariably, this guy would have to stand up and air his complaint and this guy would have to stand up and tell him to shut up, you know. And it was just always something going on. And I hated it. And then I became a pastor and I'm like, oh, no. Now I'm required to attend business meetings. And, you know, it, <clears throat> these meetings, the real fun, though, sadly, would not be in the business meeting. The real fun began after the business meeting. And after the business meeting would take place, you'd have this group come together over here, and this group come together over there, and they would. this group was talking about the way this group was acting, and this group would talk about the way this group was acting, and invariably there would be that one guy. So I'm going to fix it. And he would leave this group to come over because he knew somebody pretty well in this group. And this guy over here saw him, and so he would come over, and he would try to convince him to convince the rest of the group to come along. That was the enjoyable part of it all. And so that would go on for a month or a quarter, depending on however, how often the business meetings were, until the next business meeting rolled around, and it would start over again. You see, we're faced many times with opportunities that we don't realize are opportunities. We go through life and we're just kind of making our way around and, and, and going through all these experiences. But there are opportunities given to us every day to show love. Love. Now, here's the problem. What happens is we don't necessarily want to show love. 
but we do like to point out when love isn't shown to us. You see, very quickly we can get our we can oh that's not very loving. Well, it's also not very loving for you to judge that person and get bitter toward that person for not being loving. Well, I'll, I, you know, that person's not loving. I don't want them around me. I don't want them to talk to me. I don't want them to be part of this. And they shouldn't even show it up to the business meeting or what. Stop. Every time we are entered into a situation of any sort, you name it, you are given an opportunity to reveal the love of Jesus Christ. As children of God, we need to understand what it is to love and to whom it is we are to show this love. We go home wondering why certain people or no one maybe, you know, no one is acting loving toward me. I don't understand why they don't understand my side of things and why they don't understand how I am. This is just the way I am. They need to get me. They need to understand me. They need to dance around me and everything. Stop. It's not love. And sadly, in today's day and culture, this is the type of thing that is pushed down our throats. Listen, I was ADD, ADHD, OCD, and ODD before it was popular to be those things. I had the initials. I am the pioneer of the initials. I'm just here to tell you. My parents took me out of the public school. Some of the reasons had to do with what they were teaching in the public school, but most of them had to do with the fact that I was not surviving in the public school because I was coming home with all my schoolwork because there was nothing getting done at, all, or at, at the school. The teachers didn't know how to handle me. So they just booted the, the poor little stupid kid. Put him up. It wasn't that I was stupid. It was, <laughs> I was just going a little too fast. It was boring. I've heard 2 plus 2. I don't need to hear it again. That was me. Why do I have to do 400? That was the way I... But people have taught today... Everybody needs to work around you. People need to understand how you are. And we as a church have bought it hook, line, and sinker. It's time for us to understand that the gospel turns everything on its heels. And where the rest of the world is expecting all the, all the companies to, uh, to cater to their needs, all the churches to cater to their wants, and everybody to understand them, and everybody to do things for them, where everybody else in the world is doing that, Jesus commands us to do the opposite and think about them and not ourselves. That brings us to our text for this morning. And so open, if you will, if you haven't already, to 1 John chapter 2 and stand with me as we read the Word of God. 1 John chapter number 2. And our text is going to be verses 7 through 11, but let's back up to verse 1. And if you're worried about, you know, wow, that's a long portion of Scripture to read through. You want me to stay? I'm going to be up here for the next three hours. You can stand for three minutes. It's okay. Some of you thought it was funny. Verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 
He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily, is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. And we looked at that in more detail over the past several weeks. Now, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and in a true, the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. We could spend the next 15 weeks preaching on that verse alone, and not exhaust it. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Gracious God and Savior, would you expose to us any root of hatred that we might be holding on to? Expose to us the areas that perhaps we are walking in darkness. Help us to see these things, Father, but not just to see them. Father, would you bring us to our knees on them? Help us to surrender them. That your Holy Spirit, which dwells in those of us who profess Christ as Savior, would shake our souls this morning. And the Father, Your Word would be as a fire in our bones. We'll be very careful to honor You by obeying. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, this idea of showing love and demonstrating love uh, for others... Uh, he, he, one thing that Jesus does call us to do, one of the things Jesus calls us to do, is to love our neighbors. Now, here's the thing that he, uh, thing that we need to understand about this. He never calls us to expect love from them. Have you noticed that? He says, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another." It doesn't say if other people love you. That's not what the teaching is. But I think so many times we get ourselves, if we're not cautious, we come to something like this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, you don't have love for me. And that's where we just stop it. Oh, no, 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 no. The gospel puts everything in your camp. This is what you need to, uh, to address. This is what you need to, uh, to take care of personally. And so the question that I guess I come to with this is how can so many who claim Christianity, claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, act without love? Or perhaps another way of saying it would be this. What should a, a Christian's response be to hate? How should we respond when people treat us a certain way, when people act a certain way to us, when we notice in other people's lives that they're not acting loving, that they're not, uh, not walking in the love of God? How should we respond to that? 
what is it uh, that we see so often? We hear these people say, I'm born again by the Spirit of God. I, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You see the people driving down the road, honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker, and they're flipping people off the whole time they're driving. <laughs> Get out of my way. Uh, this, this is not the type of, uh, of mentality that Jesus Christ was talking about. And John is making it known, here is how you know that you're one of mine. How can you know that you know that you know God? He says, here's a test. Here's some evidence of whether or not someone is genuinely in Christ. Do they love? John deals with it not just in the personal sense, but he deals with it within the church. Let's take a look at this, and we're going to try to go through uh, uh, this passage, verses 7 through 11, uh, ex uh, expositionally. And so look at verse 7 with me, and we're not going to exhaust every bit of it. I, we could have actually broken this up into an entire series, but we're going to do the best that we can to handle it a little more compactly. Verse 7, he says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Uh, note first this, this word that he begins, he says, Brethren. If you were to look uh, uh, throughout his, his, uh, his book, Throughout the letter that he is writing here, you'll see time and time again, beloved, you'll see brethren, uh, you'll see my little children. There's this heart that is, uh, uh, is in the writing of John. And it's, it's beautiful when you study the Word of God and you know the author and you start to look into the life of the, of the writer, the person who penned these words. This is why in 1 Peter, there's not a whole lot of beloved. Let me tell you something. Peter's more like, look, y'all are stupid. That's the way Peter writes. But then when it comes to John, the beloved, you know, the one that was leaning on Christ's breast at dinner, he says, my little children, my brothers. And so you see this compassion as he writes. You could actually say when he writes this, this term, brethren, you could insert their beloved or you could insert their dear friends. Dear friends. It lets us see that he's actually trying to accomplish two things at once here. First, he sets out a, a, a test that will expose false teaching. You remember we looked at this as far as the Gnostics were concerned, and they were teaching certain things. Uh, the Gnostics were, were uh, uh, treating people uh, as, uh, as if they were uh, garbage and refuse. You need to get them out. You're not perfect. You're not one of us. Uh, and, and he sets out to expose some false teaching here. But he also presents a test for spiritual children of God uh, to be able to know for sure if they are walking in the light. Have you ever wondered, am I doing right? Am I doing the right thing? Am I walking the way I should walk? And, and you, you, you look at it and you examine it. And the question really comes down to this. Whose opinion are you looking for? If you're looking for your boss's opinion, your friend's opinion, listen, I'm all about the two becoming one. But before I check her opinion, I'm going to check his opinion. That's where we need to say. And, and at the end of the day, it lets us know if you are walking with hatred in your heart, you are walking in darkness. Darkness. 
If you are without love, you're walking in darkness. Now, it's an interesting thing here in verse number uh, uh, 7. He talks about uh, an old commandment. He says, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment. We'll deal with the new commandment thing here in just a moment. But this idea of not being new, it's old. Many of, uh, of his opponents were quite possibly accusing John of, of following this new way. Now, uh, uh, beloved, understand something here. I'm all for staying true to the things that have established right doctrine in the churches of God. It is the, it is the Word of God that we stand on. Hands down. But I get so worried when people try to bring out this idea of, well, wait a minute. We don't want to do things, uh, any, we don't want to put any newness, any freshness. You know, heaven forbid we have something fresh or new. You know, we got to stay with the old methods, the old manners, the old path, uh, uh, pathways, the old uh, uh, traditions. The old... Stop for just a minute. As long as it stays within the confines of this book, that's what we need to be resting on. I'm not worried about what Pastor So-and-so at the First Church of the Frozen Chosen 10 blocks down the road is doing. I want to know what God wants of us. That's where we rest. And he says there's nothing new in this. And, and, and just realize that we have, heard, we have heard preachers, we have heard teachers, we've heard commentators, well, the, the radio is full of them, who bring out sometimes these odd off-the-wall statements, and I'm just scratching my head wondering where in the world did that come from? I can't find that in Scripture. And this is what John is saying. He says, I'm not giving you something new. He says, this is the same thing that has been from long ago. The common, uh, it was common in Gnostic teaching to accuse anybody going back to the Word of, well, they just don't understand. Well, that's just not, that's not right. Uh, and that's, catch this for just a minute. The commandment that he is speaking about is the commandment that we have seen in the preceding verses. To walk in a way so to keep the commandment of Jesus by, by abiding in Him. That's the way we are to walk. And he says, this is nothing new. John 14, 15, Jesus says it this way. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said time and time again, follow me. And it wasn't new when he was preaching it either. He was getting it straight from the mouth of God Himself. And it's verifiable if you go through the Old Testament. Jesus told the Pharisees when, uh, when they would ask, and they'd say, what is the greatest commandment? They're trying to trip Him up, and He says, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is similar, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You can find that back when Moses was writing. It's not new. But the problem is that so, so much uh, had come into the lens and had clouded and had muddied everything up uh, that, uh, that when, when Jesus was on the earth and he was presenting things, you know, uh, the whole idea of tithing with, you know, you, you tithe on the mint. And yes, they would actually go to their mint plants. They would count the leaves and they would bring 10% of the leaves. You got time to count leaves on a plant? He says, you're missing the weightier matters. 
It's time to get back to the reality. Here he is healing a man with a withered hand and people were mad at him for doing it on the Sabbath day. Like, wait a minute. And so Jesus is saying, you're missing it. You've missed the picture. So it's not new commandments that Jesus was introducing. It's not a new commandment that John is bringing about. It's the old one. But then he follows it up in verse 8. Notice what he says. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. <laughs> okay, now wait a second. It's either old or it's new. You can't have it both ways, right? And people will say, well, wait a minute, see? There's a contradiction in the Bible. Wrong. It's not a contradiction in the Bible. You see, the idea that is put out here, again, the word for again, could be translated at the same time. Or another way to look at this. And so what Jesus is, or what John is saying here as he's writing, he says, look, it's not a new commandment, it's old. But I guess if you look at it from this perspective, it is new. How can it be old and new at the same time? You know, when somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says of them that they are a new creature. The old has passed away and all things, all things become new. You know, this person is seeing things for the first time clearly. They're understanding things for the first time clearly. And they're being exposed to truth. And they come to it and they go, Have you seen this before? Have you ever come across an amazing truth in the Word of God and you're just blown away and you just you feel like, oh my goodness, I've never read this book until today. And then you go to somebody and you're excited. I'll do this. My wife, she went to Christian school. And I'll do this sometimes. I'll be coming, I'll, I'll come to her and I'll say, man, I've got to show you something. I quit doing this a while back because I got tired of getting shot down. I'd, I'd say, hey, have you seen this? She's like, yeah. This is awesome. She's like, I know. Well, thanks for the cold water. You know, I mean, this is the stuff that you've got to understand is, is new. No, it's not new. But you just understood it. You're just not getting it. There's a lot of us that are sitting here today going, yeah, we're supposed to love one another. Duh. That's what the Bible says. I've known that all my life. Do you do it? Do you do it? Perfectly. Let's just examine the people that you talked to yesterday. Just yesterday. The people that you drove by yesterday. You're sitting. Look, I love y'all. But Florida driving? God help us all. I think they're just more excited about getting to heaven than the rest of the world. And you got to fight for, for your opportunity. You're sitting, hey, that was my bumper almost. And they're like, I don't care. And you're like, so you, you, after you've been here for a while, you start gassing it too. You ain't coming over. You ain't coming over. <laughs> don't cut. Ah. And then, was I loving? How loving was I? Sitting there and you're sitting at the four-way. It's my turn. Am I loving? You see, we know we're supposed to be loving, but we're not loving. Why? 
Why is it that those of us who claim to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God put our fingers in our ears and we la 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 whenever he is convicting us about how we are being hateful to the people around us? Let's notice something else here. He says a new commandment. He's making it clear that the commandment is not new, but because of Jesus bringing illumination to it, it shows up like something new. You see, the Bible says the darkness is past. He says there at the end of verse 8, he says, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He's giving you the reason. He says it's not new. Here's why. The darkness, the, the misunderstandings are done. You don't just love because you're supposed to love. You love because you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, enabling you to love. You love because God is love, and he that loveth not knoweth not God. I don't love because it's enjoyable. I mean, come on. There are some people in this world. Come on, guys, you know what it's like. There's not a man in this room that has never wondered. I know my wife loves me, but she really doesn't like me. We're not lovable sometimes. You know that's why God commands women to respect their husbands? Because there are days I do not deserve respect. And sadly, there are more days that I don't deserve respect than there are days that I have earned it. And this is why men, ladies, put your seatbelts on for a minute and just put big, big girl pants on for a second. God commands men to love their wives because sometimes it's hard. We're not always lovable. But because of Christ, we're to be loving. So it's a fresh command that is given to us. Jesus delivered this commandment to his disciples. And he told them, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So in the light of this, uh, look at verse number 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. John makes a pretty bold statement here. John makes a pretty bold statement. He is, he is contrasting uh, what the Gnostics are teaching. Apparently there was a teaching that anyone who was contrary to the church was to be hated. Uh, for example, take the individual who feels convicted and decides to come to church because a co-worker invited them. But perhaps they have an abortion in their past. And when they pull in, they, they hear and they see people that hate baby killers. You think they feel the love of Christ? What about the individual who has been struggling with homosexuality, pulls in the church parking lot and sees bumper stickers that say, take back the, flat, flat, uh, the rainbow, and God hates queers? Are they seeing the love of God? It's time for the church to wake up. Amen. Quit 
kicking people around, quit yelling at everybody that's doing things a way that you don't think they ought to be done, and let's just get back to the principles of loving our brothers because we love Him. Jesus said, just do these two commandments. Beloved, understand something. Quit worrying about what style of music is on the pulpit. Quit worrying about what people are wearing. Let's take them to the Word of God that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor. Let's quit worrying about everything else. Quit worrying. The Bible doesn't teach uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by a certain Democratic or Republican party. It doesn't say that. It says the Word of God. Augustine said of this, and I wanted this quote to come out. Augustine said this. He says, if you only loved your brethren, you would not be perfect. But if you hate your brethren, what are you? Where are you? You see, it's one thing to not yet be perfect. It's another thing to purposefully still be in darkness. You see, here's... here's just sort of a reminder before we go on to verse 10. Love is not a feeling. It's an action and a choice. It is a conscious decision to bless. You know, actually, let's just kind of mark that down. If, you, if you're taking notes or anything like that, just mark that down, that it's a conscious decision to bless. And we'll, we'll look at that here in just a moment. But verse ten, he that loveth his brother and uh, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Uh, abiding in the light, this is uh, this individual has not only found the light, but he abides in the light. There's a difference. That's the difference between the person who gets their Bible out and they got their broadsword and it's a big one, you know, and they just they bring it in, they, they carry their Bible around on Sunday morning, they have found the light. And if any of their friends or co-workers ask what they're doing on Sunday, they let them know, I'm going to be in church. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's sitting in the corner somewhere. That's not someone abiding in the light. That's someone who has found the light. But it's not someone who abides in the light. And so this idea of abiding in the light, even when the rest of the church scratches its head and says, how in the world can that person love them? How in the world can they forgive them? They do it anyway. What about this word, brother? He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, because I know what's going on. We do this so quickly, right? The word is brother, preacher. He's talking about other Christians. In the context of what we're seeing here, yes, he is talking about other Christians. He's talking about those within the household of faith in the context of what he's speaking about here. But don't for a second think that it negates anybody else. Do you remember when Jesus was talking about loving your neighbor as yourself and the guy wanted to justify himself and he said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus proceeded by telling him the story of the good Samaritan. 
said, which one was neighborly to the man? The Samaritan. He said, go and do likewise. Last I checked, God's word doesn't disagree with God's word. And so if Jesus wants us to show love to everyone, I don't think John is saying, if they're a member of your church, love them. If they're not a member of your, of your church, kick them while they're down. That's not what he's saying. He says, love them. But how does one love within the local church? How does our love of those within the local church, should I say, let's say it this way, how does that point to Christ? When I leave and I'm, I, I'm sitting at dinner at the restaurant and, and you know here we are, we're eating at Cracker Barrel. Well, you can't even eat at Cracker Barrel anymore. Those of us who, have, I, I'm not one of those, I, I, forgive me if I'm offending, but people are like, I don't eat anywhere that there's alcohol, but you shop at Publix, that's okay. But... <clears throat> Here we are, we're sitting at dinner, right? We're sitting at dinner, and uh, uh, we're, we're talking. It's just, it's just us, right? And we're talking about the things that we don't like about the people at church. And that little waitress is listening to it. How does our attitude? What about the things that we post on Facebook? We can't wait to air somebody's dirty laundry. When people look at just the way we talk about our brothers and sisters in Christ, do they see the love of God? You know, I, there, there are preachers that I just not, I'm not a big fan of. I'll be honest with you. I don't like their preaching. And I'm okay to point out wolves and stuff like that. But you know, there are some of them that I have learned from. There are some that I have learned how to love people. Sometimes we can be so abusive. How does our love for those without the church, the people that are outside, not believers, should we hate those? No. Should we hate those that are an abomination to the Lord? No. I'm so thankful that when I was an abomination to the Lord, someone loved me enough to pray for me and to share the truth with me. Listen, I was not living a life that was bringing glory and honor to God. And I'm sure that there were people that hated me, but you know the ones that helped me get back were the ones who showed love. It says that there's no, notice what it says in there, it says there's no stumbling in Him. None occasion of stumbling. You see, so many struggle to know the right thing to do. They try to figure things out on their own. They're using their personal ideas. They're talking to their friends. And, and, and finally, uh, they come to their senses and they seek out advice of Scripture. You see, the one who abides in the light, who doesn't just take the Word of God on Sundays, doesn't just take the Word of God even on Sundays and Wednesdays, but the person who is spending time in the Word daily, day in and day out, spending time on their knees day in and day out, they're the one abiding in the Word of God. And there's no sense of stumbling. It's not just talking about, you know, I'm not going to cause other people to stumble. It's in my own life. I'm going to make right decisions. The stumbling referred to here is not in the same sense of causing others to sin. 
It's in reference to yourself. Light brings illumination and you no longer grope around in darkness. I look at verse 11 and we'll start to wrap things up. You can put your seat backs up and your trays in locked position here. Verse 11, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now we see the contrast that is given here. Verse 10 is the alternate of verse 9. Verse 11 is the alternate of verse 10. Verse 11 basically enlarges the idea that was given in verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness. Knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. Knoweth not where he goes. You see, understand this. Life is a search. You could even say it this way. It's a pilgrimage. But for the individual in darkness, it's a travesty of directionless wanderings. They don't know what they're doing. Beloved, you could even say the same thing about many people who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God. Now, this is not to say that everyone who is struggling is, is not born again by the Spirit of God. That's not what is being said. The person, you got a couple different approaches to this. The person's going to read this and say, well, because I'm struggling to forgive that person or because I'm not being loving to that person, he must be saying, I'm not saved. I didn't say that. But that's one of the evidences of salvation. And so if you're confronted with that, instead of digging your heels in and being like, ah, that guy's just a jerk, he's questioning my salvation. I'm not questioning it. But John wants us to question it personally. John wants us to investigate. John wants us to look. And when we see if there's hatred in our hearts, if we're, if we're struggling to let go, if we're struggling to show love to anybody, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get, get to business. You see, hate destroys any hope of light from God reaching through the windows. It's as though the blinds are closed. They have stopped their ears and will not hear. You see, to deny oneself of the purpose of God is to deny yourself of fellowship with God. And what is God's purpose? God's purpose for you is the same as it is for me. To reveal Him. To show others Him. Beloved, let's, let's make this personal. You know, one may be in the light as much as they please. Did you know that? You know, we think about it. You know, we, we see other people. Wow, they are just so close to the Lord. You can be there too. Well, they, they have a closer walk with God than I'll ever have. Uh, if that's the way you want it. Do you want a closer walk with Him? Be honest. Do you want to have that close relationship with Him? It's available. 
But to be in the light implies that you're able to see your brethren and that you're not stumbling around bumping into everyone else. It's kind of like the, the one lady who is supposedly known as the, uh, the, the marriage and the relationship guru, but she's been married and divorced five times. I'm not sure I want her advice on marriage unless it's how not to be married. She's stumbling around, trying to figure things out. And so often we blame others. We say things like, well, if everyone else would come along to my way of thinking, no. Love is about sacrifice. What are you not willing to sacrifice for someone else? Your pride? Well, if I show love to them, that means I've got to let something down. And, and what if they think that I'm, I'm saying that they were right and I was wrong? Who cares what they think as long as you can face God at night? I showed them love. That guy at the four-way intersection yelling at you, cussing at you, and you just want to floor it. You just sit there and you take it. Is it really going to be that big of a deal? What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your right away? Are you willing to give up a little bit of time? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride? Are you willing to sacrifice getting that last word? Are you willing to sacrifice these things? Go to Matthew chapter 4 and we're going to close with this. Matthew chapter 4. I know it's 12-11. People will sit through 15 extra innings and the preacher goes five minutes past noon and the BB guns come out. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Actually, Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry. Look at verse 44. Jesus lets us know what we're to do. Look at verse 43 for context, please. Ye have heard it hath been said, Ye shall love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. See? Here we are, back with that. Should we only love our brothers? Jesus says, I say unto you, love your enemies. Well, I can love them, but I don't have to be nice to them. Wait a minute. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. I don't have to be nice to him. Yeah, you do. Oh, man, we, we invited the wrong preacher. Take it up with God's Word. You know that term, bless, is the antithesis of blaspheme. It's the very opposite of the use of the word 
for blasphemy. To withhold blessings is the same as blasphemy. This is why in Psalm 103, Psalm 104, when you read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, blessing literally means this. Uh, to, uh, to praise, to thank, to congratulate, to perform a positive action for. It, it, it's, it's the Greek word here that we're seeing, eulageo, eulageo. But it's basically the word that we get our English word, eulogy. It's to say nice things about. It's the opposite of blasphemy, which is to speak vile, to defame, or to revile. We don't talk about our enemies. We don't even ignore them. We don't rejoice in their fall. According to Jesus Himself, we are to love them, to bless them, to do good to them, and to pray for them. I don't know about you, but in my life, there have been many times that I've prayed about my enemies. Something different when you pray for your enemies. Kind of hard to look at someone as an enemy when you're praying for them. It's easy to look at them as an enemy when you're praying about them. The Bible doesn't call us simply to mark those that cause division. It also calls us to love and pray for those who are in darkness. Who calls more division and persecution against the early church than the Pharisees? Yet Paul prayed for them earnestly, even said, I would give up my own ticket if they would come to know Christ. Can you pray that for somebody today? They didn't say it was easy. But it's pretty simple. Black and white. Mark 12, 30 and 31 is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then, love our neighbor as ourself. Inside the church, outside the church. By God's grace, Buckingham Baptist will be known as the people that reveal the love of God. Now, that's the direction that I'm going to lead. My question is simply this. Am I also willing to follow it? Are you willing to follow it? Are you willing to take what the Word of God has to say and love your neighbor. Our Father, who art in heaven, so, so hallowed is your name. You, you never promised that the Christian life would be an easy life. As a matter of fact, 
you actually promised that it was going to be difficult. You told us that we were going to have trials, but that you would strengthen us for them. You told us that we would have tribulations, but you promised that you would build us through those tribulations. You promised that we would have troubles, but you said, I've overcome the world. And even that we would have temptations, but you always promised that there would be a way of escape. And so often, Father, we are tempted to be unloving. We're tempted to hold on to hate. Father, for the believer, the issue is not whether we can endure or succeed, but in our obedience to you in all of it. I know that I'm not always going to be loving. I know that there are going to be times that I'm hateful. But will I obey you in recognizing my hate, setting it aside, and showing love? For the unbeliever, Father, may they see something different and attractive in our reactions to the world around us. May we bring glory and honor unto you as we love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And then because we love you, we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to show this love. Help us to be more like your dear Son. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.
Still every breath you drew 